This is episode 206 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 206 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Darren Voros on the show. And Darren is a guy who I've been aware of for many, many years and just finally met him yesterday and had a chance to go deep with him on Costa Rica. So it was a really interesting and really different discussion. I haven't had any investors on the show where we just dove into Costa Rica. We've talked about a few other foreign places to invest, but this was a special one because he's specifically investing in an area that I love, which is Nosara right near Tamarindo on the west coast of Costa Rica. If you've never been there, I highly recommend it. It's beautiful and extremely hot, but uh, a well worth the trip. So we dove into what it looks like to develop land there. He's currently developing a couple of different sites, including a six unit building, which will be selling off many of the units and keeping a couple to operate as Airbnbs with several hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue coming off of those. And he's going to be mortgage free on them if all goes as planned. So really interesting story, really ambitious seeming guy with an interesting backstory. And uh, I think you'll get a lot out of this one. Just before we jump into the episode, as always, I want to remind you that you can grab a copy of the Cashflow Spreadsheet Analyzer on my website if you want to follow along and analyze numbers yourself. And you can also check out our deal analysis show on YouTube, which is called REI Hot Seat, where all we really do is deal analysis without the interview portion. So if that sounds like something you'd want to follow as well, make sure that you subscribe to that channel and get active in the comments on there. Ask your questions. It's a new channel. It's growing and certainly would appreciate the support. So without further ado, let's jump into episode 206 with Darren Voros. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I've got Darren Voros on the show and we were just remarking how we don't know how we haven't met yet. It's been many years of, I think we're Facebook friends, maybe, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I see you in the groups commenting and I'm sure. sure vice versa, although I'm not very active on Facebook. but. Uh, yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah, nice <laughs> to meet you too. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. I intentionally don't say too much before we start recording because mm. I would rather just do it on the recording. Yeah. Because no, then we'll, absolutely. before you know it, we start saying things. We're like, we should have recorded this. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same th- conversation yesterday. I was hosting yeah. my own session and then, yeah. you know, we had a bunch of conversations prior to yeah. it. I was like, well, we should have just been hitting the recording. Yeah, we should have recorded all yeah, of it. Which, exactly. like, if you like watch like Joe Rogan, for example, it, you could tell it's just like the, the, the guy will ask, is this recording? Or are we just <laughs> shooting the shit <laughs> yeah so i like it like that so anyways um yeah man like i'm assuming you're up to big things but i really don't know <laughs> it's uh you know it's been a crazy couple of years i would say like you know from the start of the pandemic to now you know it's it's because uh, at the time i was you know an active real estate investor but you know i was working on some smaller projects and mm-hmm. since then i think i've looked at you know a lot bigger transactions and and kind of sort of carved out a niche in the development world and mm-hmm. gone south you know to costa rica and d- doing some other things so yeah it's, so you're it's doing development been, in costa rica or just development invest? in, in uh, ontario uh, in costa rica yeah and then i love know, costa rica man. yeah me too <laughs> Pineapple, papaya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got another 10 days and then I'm heading south for the winter. So I'll be gone for three and a half months. So you that was something that. that I was like really wanting to, you know, uh, figure yeah. out in my life. And, and so that was a, a big goal of mine was to spend winters away from Canada because I just, I can't it's stand awful. it here. Yeah, it's terrible. So it's uh, Southwestern, I've said this before, I, Southern Ontario and the Golden Horseshoe, I, I don't think God intended for us to stay here in the winter. <laughs> it's beautiful other times. Yeah. Uh, he meant for us to migrate, I think. That's right. Yeah. Um, well, I'm from Alberta, which is even worse. colder, but but yeah. more sun. Exactly. Yeah. So at least yeah. at least you would have that. Mm. 
but uh, okay, so you, you warmed up a bit here, and you live on the east end now uh, of Toronto? Uh, west end, yeah, in the junction. Oh, west end. Okay, yeah. no, that's much quicker. I was thinking yeah. east end. Yeah. Um, okay, so not too, too far away from here, but mm. uh, you're going to be headed down and spending time in Costa Rica whereabouts? Um, in Nosara. So, oh, I love that place. Yeah. I've specifically like, stayed in Nosara before. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I visited there, oh, man, it's been like 10, 12 years ago now for the first time. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was there for a week, first time, second time I went down, it was like mm-hmm. two weeks. And then, you know, uh, for my 40th birthday, which was a few years ago, went down for a month and visited four or five different spots, yeah. but I kept going back to Nosara and then yeah. last year I spent two months there and then I bought land there. And so this year I'll spend the entire three months there. It's pretty popular people buying land there. Uh, a yeah. lot of like Americans and Canadians buying land in yeah. that area. And I'm assuming others too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Do they find, like, are they successfully finding contractors to build? You know, uh, that is probably the number one, well, I'd say it's the number two challenge down there is, is you know, finding good, reputable builders. There are many, but, mm-hmm. you know, just a, a matter of what you're going to pay uh, price per yeah. square meter for somebody who is reputable is yeah. going to be significantly higher than if you want to kind of take your chances with somebody who's less known. Um, but that, I, I think they know, like to look at, you know, foreigners there and yeah, dollar signs in the eyes. For sure, and, yeah. And, 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 like, you're way more likely to get scammed in Costa Rica than you are here in Canada like, 100%. we were victims of it yeah yeah <laughs> we well, called them out on it but yeah well yeah. and I th- like what I what I saw the last time I was mm-hmm. there because I was I visiting an active job site which I found mm-hmm. was really interesting was they have the workers like living on site which was kind of cool. crazy to me like yeah. literally four walls a tin roof tin walls yeah. and I was like oh, visiting the site I'm like what is this is this where they eat lunch and, and they no, architects like no this is where they live so they are from San Jose okay. but there's not a lot of work in San Jose not a lot so of quality work out, so they yeah. come they don't want to pay rent while they're working there yeah, yeah. it's more effective for yeah. the project because they work six days a week but the you know the living conditions from not our great. standards yeah, not like great. no way but for their but standards, I mean it's warm there it's warm yeah there's no yeah as issue. long as you're good with the heat because it is like it's warm hot. is an understatement yeah. it's like melt you yeah. hot especially during the day i don't know how they work during the day in the, yeah and this in the dry season it's like 35 degrees pretty much like every day yeah and, and, and like the sun like i've never felt sun like that yeah it's, it's like it's intense it's chasing me <laughs> yeah well you go down to, to playa guiones which is the main beach there in the middle of the day there's like no one there yeah they, from, don't, they won't do from it from 10 a.m until 3 p.m not a soul on they the come beach out after that and yeah. then people will come out after that to surf and they're there in the morning and they're there at sunset and that's kind of it because yeah. in the middle of the day there's not it's a lot crazy. of shade and it's, it's hot it's know? interesting how how it's just different depending on where you go uh, one thing i've noticed like yeah they must have a very um like for building because you don't want to work midday and then you only have so much sunlight right they only yeah. have 12 hours of sunlight there yeah it's it's dark at, at like at 5 30 yeah it's like pitch black yeah. yeah yeah and they don't have great street lights or anything no so. <laughs> non-existent yeah, yeah it's a it's an interesting place uh, i absolutely love it yeah it's it's uh, one of my favorite places okay. in the world so and is that, that an investment especially. play that's yeah yeah okay. we're building six um luxury homes down there so six luxury homes so yeah. Tell me about like the development process. Is it, does it have similarity to here? Is it fee simple ownership? Like what's what's the scoop? There there are some similarities. I think you know uh, the difference is is they don't really have zoning per se. So they have some basic parameters around mm-hmm. what they would like you to build. 
you know, but it's not like they have a very specific zoning bylaw. So they basically say like, ideally it's 50% lot coverage. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nosara has, you know, rules around height. So no more than two, uh, I think it's two or three story. Got to assume that that town has more rigid uh, rules than say some of the like. Tamarindo or something like that. Right. Which has like all the hotels and everything like that. So uh, Nosara is protected in a way because it's national park. You know, there's an area by the beach that's protected because of the turtles and that's also they don't want a lot of light uh, pollution and all those kinds of things so that's why they don't allow you to go more than I think it's I think it's three story mm-hmm. um, but most people don't build over two story mm-hmm. and uh, but other than that like the, the development process is is similar you know you have to go in for some environmental studies and you have to figure out you know is there enough capacity for water and, and mm-hmm. sewer and what's your septic system going to look like and yeah. all of those studies need to be presented so they still want to see properly engineered yeah. studies and, and then but the biggest challenge there is is water right you need a water letter um and once you've got your water letter then you can get your building permit so that's kind of the first step letter basically they want to know if you have enough water if if the municipal water supply can uh, meet the demand of your development right so that's the that's the biggest hurdle and that's why you'll see many projects in costa rica they'll get stalled because they have they have water rights but they don't necessarily have the capacity Mm -hmm. for the water or they haven't checked with their local asada Mm -hmm. which is like the name for the you know the the municipal water control board basically Um, so you need that in order to get a building permit if you don't have a water letter you can't get a building permit so you know that's that's your that's your big challenge in in costa rica uh and then of course obviously if you don't have you know uh power to the site but we are in a we're in playa palada which is mm-hmm. already serviced for those things there's water at the property line mm-hmm. there's there's electricity at the property line but even that you don't have rights to that water just because it's at your property line you have to apply to make sure that you know there's enough yeah. capacity there so that's is the there anything challenge. that you can do like how do you approach one of those projects and make sure that you have have enough do you just pick an area that you know has ample supply i think that you know there's a couple different ways you can do it you you basically can go in and uh what we did on this project we went in for less density this episode is brought to you by controlling compound financial they teach real estate investors how to multiply their wealth using infinite banking strategies for a complimentary wealth coaching session or to learn more visit www.controlandcompound.com forward slash andrew hines are you interested in getting started in investing in the united states but not sure where to start Why not attend the Investing in the U.S. Mastermind hosted by myself and Nick Van Dyke on March 4th, 2023. Nick and I will be covering topics ranging from A to Z, new construction, multifamily development, Airbnb, and much, much more, as well as the basics, including opening a bank account and understanding the proper corporate structure. We'll have several keynote speakers touching on very specific topics. And most importantly, you'll be sitting in a room with people who are highly focused and highly committed to investing in the United States. For more information, visit investinginthus.com and send me a DM on Instagram for a special discount code. I'll look forward to seeing you at the event. Hey friends, I just wanted to remind you that the next GTA West REI meetup is happening Thursday, January 19th at Clifford Brewing in Hamilton. If you're not already in our private Facebook group, make sure you join through the link in the description of this video or in the show notes on the audio versions and add yourself to the event to let us know that you're coming so that we can notify the establishment and uh, make sure that they have the proper staff for our group. Don't miss out on this completely free opportunity to network with like-minded investors. It's always an uplifting event and it's always a lot of fun. I'll look forward to seeing you there. Right, so if if we're looking at the projects around us, we're saying, okay, well, this project up the road just got declined or it's been in trying to get a water letter for two years because they went in for, uh, I think it was 40 occupants on a 750 square Mm -hmm. meter piece of land. Okay. 
So we're going in for the same 40 occupants, but we have 3,000 square meters of land. So four okay. times the land with yeah. the same amount of occupants. Now this project just got its water letter approved after two and a half years. So you've been working on this for two and a half years? No, 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 they have. But they did, we, okay. we've only been in, in, in talks for a month with the, with the water okay. authority. So we went in with less, less density and we asked them first what they wanted to see. So we went to them first, to the water authority and said, what do you yeah. want to see? What kind of density do you want to see on the lot? They said yes. 40 occupants. And they said yeah. uh, as as minimal impact on the land as possible. Right? There's the obvious thing to do is just talk to them beforehand. Don't right? just surprise them with it. Talk to them ahead of time, which seems like common sense. But I mean, you would yeah, think. But yeah. I think a lot of developers are used to developing in North America or in Europe, and then they go, "Well, they don't think about water. They're like, how much how much capacity yeah. can we put on the land?" Although I've encountered sewage capacity. Yeah. Like you got to make sure that yeah. there's sewage capacity to service. And I, that is a common thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for sure. I haven't heard of water main, but I mean, I'm sure that exists too as, a, yeah. as an issue around here. Yeah. Everything could be an issue. Yeah. Exactly. Before you know it, you're the developer tearing up an entire street and putting in a new uh, sewer main. Yeah. And I think <laughs> so that's that you can develop. The, the process down yeah. there. It's like, we're going to get this water study done. It's going to say that we don't have enough capacity yeah. with the current supply. And then yeah. they're going to say, okay, well, you have to pay to help yeah. us uh, upgrade the infrastructure, which I'm happy to do, right? Yeah. Because um, it's not you know a crazy amount of money, especially in relation to the development that we're doing there. So Yeah. So that's, that's obviously the next question is, is it worth it? And... Let's get into some rough numbers. Like, yeah. what what did you buy the land for? Three thousand square meters. Uh, One point two mil. What's that in acres? Three three thousand square meters. Uh, it's about three quarters of an acre. Three quarters of an acre. Yeah. Okay. So one point two mil for that. And what do you think you'll get into for like soft costs and then the build? Yeah, soft costs uh, will be in for probably about a half a million dollars in soft okay. costs. Oh, so not cheap. Yeah. All right, no, so. it's not. See, the soft costs in Costa Rica are are based on hard costs. So architects aren't paid on a it's percentage of cost. Exactly. So yeah. if the so you hired is, an architect, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So we're already down the process there, and our build cost will be around two million, somewhere in that range. Two million. Yeah. So including yeah. the architect's fees? Uh, no, that's just that's hard costs. And then construction okay, costs. So what do you think the architect's going to be if you're two million? So I, the half a million was including the architect. Okay. Oh, fees. okay, okay, yeah. okay. So three point seven plus your carrying costs. Yeah. Uh, like insurance and then any interest in borrowing? Not really, because we have investor capital in on the okay. deal. Uh, and then we'll use the uh, pre-construction funding to build the project. So okay. that is a nice benefit of Costa Rica as well. I can take the deposit structures and line them up with the construction draws because we can use that money to fund the construction. So you're taking the money you raise here from investors to fund it? No, that's just to acquire the land okay. and the closing costs. So you're getting financing down there? Uh, no, we won't need financing because we will s we'll sell enough units to pay oh, the construction. Oh, you're selling. Oh, okay. yeah, that so, was the part I was missing. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we we kind of skipped over that. But we'll yeah. sell four of them and we'll keep two as short-term rentals moving forward. Okay, so building six with 40 occupants. Uh, so what does that work out to? How many we people for us? We have four three-bedroom units okay, yeah. and then uh, two four-bedroom units. We were debating between like yeah. uh, going with eight units and going with some But how, where do they come up with 40 occupants? That's what we said. We're like, well, how did you come up with that number? And I think yeah. they just look at maybe the capacity like, for the they land. They assume three people per bedroom or something. They like, assume two people. Per two bedroom. people per bedroom. Yep. So, so they were saying three... twenty bedrooms. They said you yeah. can decide on how. So you, you get want. twenty bedrooms. Yeah. Okay. And then the twenty bedrooms, uh, you know, 
with would try to make it minimal impact on the land so yeah. more units is going to be more impact right so that's why yeah. we went with larger units yeah, yeah plus we looked at the stats for airbnb and everything else yeah and there's a lot of one bedrooms a lot of two bedrooms not so many three bedrooms and i think there's seven four bedrooms or something okay something like that it's a small oh, amount of units on the market rush down there with airbnb yeah. uh the figures you're giving me those are those in canadian dollars u.s dollars US, US yeah. dollars. okay and what do you think so you're in for like 3.7 yeah um what do you think it's worth so we'll sell the uh, the one bedroom or sorry the three bedroom comps right now are about a million bucks uh, oh, a unit really? uh and so you're like on, you're like five to six million for the whole thing yeah, yeah. and the four bedroom comps are about 1.5 yeah okay wow okay so there's there's over a million dollars in in profit there probably maybe a million and a half something like that yeah Okay, so not a bad uh, bad day at the office once it's all done. Yeah, and I, I think that's why, you know, looking at this, and I, I love my partners on this deal, but I was like, I don't, on the next one, I might just look at raising private debt versus private equity because mm-hmm. I could take that, you know, sell yeah. three or four units, pay back the private yeah. debt, and then I would own the other ones free and clear, which is what we're doing on our other project, which okay. is our, uh, we have a 16 unit just up the road in Playa Flamingo as well. Okay, so you're doing more as well. Yeah. Similar structure with that one, or you, that was That dead. one's a, a little bit different. We didn't bring in investors. The land yeah. was a lot less, so okay. I think we, paid the, we bought the land for 500 grand, so we did yeah. that with just me and two other investors. And um, how, do you, how are you raising, like what's your network to raise the, the funds for these? Um, that's through my network, you know, through people I've met in, yeah. in, in the industry, in the business. And, uh, okay, yeah. so just so, making phone calls kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we, this, all of these have to go through a Canadian limited partnership agreement, which is, so we had to go okay. you know, either friends and family or accredited investors. Yeah. So we had to work under the exemptions. Uh, but yeah, just went out to my network and, yeah. and, uh, this wasn't actually, we would have put our minimum higher for this deal than we have for any other deal. Um, and it was actually easier to raise capital. I feel like for this than I was. Uh, than what was your minimum? It was one hundred fifty thousand US. Okay, so one hundred fifty. Oh, okay, so over two hundred. Yeah, which I was. I was like I say, I was quite surprised. Um, mm-hmm. It it makes it a little bit easier because I only need way easier. Yeah. Yeah, I only need yeah. like six or seven people to step forward. Um, yeah. And I think the payback with capital within twenty four to thirty six months is a big selling feature right now. Right. That's the horizon you're figuring. Yeah. So when did you close on this? Uh, in late September. Yeah. Late September. So not not too long ago. Yeah. And then you're just, figuring thirty six months to get their money back. Yeah. Ideally faster. What's, what's yeah. the exit? So so you're saying sell four and that allows you to keep the other two. That's right. Free and, free and clear. clear. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll just we'll run those as uh, SDRs. And then we'll, you know, uh, they'll get with their, a partnership group in. Yeah, they'll yeah. get their distributions from the STRs. And, and those then, should do what a couple hundred grand each. Yeah, an annual. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Because you'll have what six months of the year where they crush, and then six months where there's not really. much Yeah, going they, on. they like they'll you'll say seventy percent of the year occupancy. So that it's it's a lot higher actually now than it used yeah. to be. The shoulder because they have are rain season, right? Rainy season's terrible. Like it, you won't rent anything in rainy. What's season. rainy season there? Uh, September October. Like That's even it? Costa Ricans are like, I'm out of here. <laughs> they're they're gone. Oh, it's just September. I thought it was yeah. longer than that. No, August is like, uh, you know, not great. November is 
okay, but you'll you'll have people that that are there. I was there in uh, probably three weeks ago, and you can you know I was the very very start of November, and you're seeing people start to arrive. But really, the big season is yeah. after American Thanksgiving, all the way through until like May long weekend, and yeah, you know that's your that's your like prime season. That's and then the high. rain starts to come in the summer at some point. It starts to come in in that like May June time. Yeah, but yeah, it, but it, not like crazy. But not like crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're actually like waiting for it because it's so dry there. Oh you know, yeah, just, like yeah. the dust it's there. Dust, yeah. <laughs> we we rented an ATV and we went uh, we went from uh, Nosara to uh, I think Tamarindo. I yeah. think we did. I did. Was it that far? Samara, maybe in Samara. Samara, yeah. yeah, yeah. We went to that that really cool beach with all the palm yeah. trees hanging over the water. Yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, about a forty five to an hour on the quad, probably. Yes, yeah. That's what we did. Yeah. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Really hot, really dusty. <laughs> so dusty. It's crazy. We were passing <laughs> transport trucks on the quad. Yeah. That's the crazy part because we were going faster than all the cars and transport yeah. trucks because yeah. it's just so bumpy. It's the best way to get around there for sure. Yeah, everything. So I rent bumpy. one while I'm down there for three months. I have a quad and you know, it's, it's just the best. Yeah. yeah. No yeah. helmets. It's kind of crazy. You get a dust mustache and stuff, <laughs> yeah. but uh, oh yeah, it was it was, uh, it was a good time. So yeah. um, I can imagine though, if you get there right after the rain, it doesn't have to be quite so dusty. No, it's it was actually nice in November. Like it was because uh, it's end of rainy season, so everything's lush. It's green. And there's no dust. But the, the other side of that is like just all yeah. the roads are half washed out. Just yeah, uh, muck puddles and stuff. everywhere. Because even when we were there in March. Yeah. It was uh, not this March, but uh, it was like flooded out roads. Like, yeah. We couldn't pass some of them. We had yeah. to turn around. Yeah, and the, I can only imagine at the end of rainy season what it was it's like. It's crazy. The, yeah. the the street where my development is, mm-hmm. like it's kind of mm-hmm. turns into a river in the in the rainy season almost. Like it's so you have to make sure your house is nice and elevated. So we're yeah we're ba- we're filling in the land to elevate a little bit, and yeah. we'll we'll actually create drainage ditches around the property. Okay, um, because it's uh, we're at the one of the lower spots on the way to the ocean. So of course everything flows. Yeah, everything the flows. Ocean. Um, so yeah, we'll 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 take into consideration all that when we're building. And what's um, like? What are some of the risk factors down there? I mean, obviously, like Florida, you get hurricanes. Uh, do you have issues down there? They they'll get the odd one. Um, definitely not to the scale and scope of some of the other areas. Like Costa Rica mm-hmm. doesn't get hit with hurricanes as often as like the Gulf does. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not to say that they can't happen. Earthquakes, they've had a few, yeah. you know, that, uh, you know, are not crazy, but they're, they're mm-hmm. you know, a, a definite thing you need to be aware of. But that's why, you know, I think with this style of construction that we are doing, uh, we're only going two-story. Uh, it's mm-hmm. all you know cement and concrete and everything there's, yeah there's no real like like issue. you're hiring engineers to help design it yeah so it, it can tolerate that kind of yeah, stuff right and we're we're not on the water we're about a five minute walk to the beach so mm-hmm. there is some some protection there in terms of like you know if you're right on the coast it's a definitely a, a different uh risk know, factor risk right? factor for sure but yeah i mean anything can happen right well and in your pacific coast versus exactly um atlantic versus the atlantic yeah. side so yeah. i'm sure that 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 helps a bit yeah. the hurricane would have to go quite a bit over land exactly to get yeah. to you yeah okay um interesting now that's obviously not where you started in your investing journey <laughs> although very cool i mean i, I want to get into like kind of where you started yeah uh, as well but actually before we do that um 
tax implications and and you know just a general idea of of some of the structure that you're using for Costa Rica? Yeah, no, and that's a great question because that was something that I wasn't exactly aware of until we started going down the road mm-hmm. with these projects, and I was like, I need to bring in some cross border mm-hmm. experts to really understand what the implications of all of that income are and how that's treated. So. The, the best structure, you know, is to basically set up a, well, the way that we did it was setting up a Canadian limited partnership, which mm-hmm. uh, has a Canadian corporation attached to it. And the Canadian corp owns 100% of the Costa Rican corporation. Okay. And the Costa Rican corporation, obviously, that's what the asset is owned. So your limited partnership owns a corporation in Canada, that which owns a corporation in Costa Rica. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then so when income, I mean, the first initial like $1.2 million of capital that flows back to Canada. Canada will flow back as a repayment of debt for the mm-hmm. investors, right? So there's no tax implications okay. there. Once we start generating revenue, um, then we'll have to pay Costa Rican tax through the corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have a withholding tax when we bring that money back to Canada, and then we'll distribute it through the limited partnership um, after that. And then yeah. once we've filed our Costa Rican taxes, those withholding taxes will be adjusted. Mm-hmm. So it is a bit of a complicated uh, withholding. So structure. you're saying when you try and do like a wire transfer from your Costa Rican account back to Canada, they're like, oh, wait a minute. Yep. Yeah. Really? Yeah. There is a wait a minute it's, moment? Yep, yeah, for sure. Like anytime yeah. we... Anytime we move money back and forth, it, it is a little more complicated. Just closing on the property was mm-hmm. incredibly complex in terms of the know your client stuff from the Costa Rican banks. Like you can't just move, I think it's, I think $50,000 is about the limit. So when mm-hmm. we're moving a million two in US currency down to the Costa mm-hmm. Rican banks, the um, the process for getting that money vetted was significant. So we had to add extra do- due diligence time to make sure that all mm-hmm. of our investors could be vetted individually so that when they moved money to the LP and we moved it to Costa Rica, there wasn't Yeah, they wanted hiccups, to see all the, all the track everything. The banks that, that were receiving it wanted to know yeah. where it was so coming there's from. So there's an escrow company mm-hmm. in Costa Rica that will work on behalf of the banks. And yeah. once they have all their documents, they'll submit them to the bank. The bank will say, yes, we yeah. accept all this. Now you can move the money, right? So that, that was part of the process of closing. Probably because there's a lot of criminal activity in yeah. Costa Rica. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's that much criminal activity, but I think that's why there's not as much because of the... Yeah. Obviously, they're know. combating off some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I don't think it's like Mexico yeah. and some of these No, areas. no, no. It's yeah. not Mexico. Not a not a criminal haven. Obviously, like that was one of the worries that like we had when we went down. We we're like, well, is it dangerous? And then, you mm-hmm. know, people are saying, oh, no, it's fine. Just don't go wearing a gold Rolex around. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, we felt totally fine aside from the like one uh, like it was like a little bar restaurant that they're like, Oh, they don't speak English. And they just decided that they would uh, tell us the interact machine was down mm. and that we had to pay cash. And all of a sudden yeah. the bill was four times what it was last time. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. I've never had an experience like that there. Like yeah. I've heard like the, the there's a, you know, a, a petty crime things. Especially yeah. In Asara. Mm. Never heard of violent crime. Yeah. Uh, I haven't, like, I haven't I seen much of that. Yeah. You know, and I was talking with a friend about this yesterday and we're like, he said, and he's from El Salvador, uh, Alfonso Quadra. You, you, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like, you know why there's uh, no crime in Costa Rica? You know why there's no problems in Costa Rica? I'm like, no. He's like, they don't have an army. And I was like, oh, I never thought about that. Like, he's, they've never been at war with any other country, and so there's a lot of that. And hmm. that kind of trans, like that transpires down into the the communities. There's just not interesting. They don't have that sort of mentality. But there's yeah, people will steal the odd thing, and, and yeah, uh, which is you know, I, I've heard about here and there, and I've heard about people. Um, you know, like you say, being taken advantage of a little bit, maybe with like currency yeah. exchange or yeah. like, yeah, we take cash only, that kind of stuff. But that happens almost yeah. everywhere. I think a lot of people wouldn't have even noticed. No. They would have just assumed yeah. it was not nothing. Yeah. I, these people were just silly.
silly because they they must have recognized us. I had been there like two days earlier. <laughs> I knew what we ordered the same meal. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but we called them on it. So anyways, it was okay. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So so as far as tax goes, is it a tax treaty uh, country? No, it's no. Yeah. So you'll pay a corporate tax there. Do you know approximately what the tax rate is? Uh, it's about 15%. So 15% tax there, and then yeah. you would pay, when you bring dividends back a, to Canada, it'd be your, the, the active, would yeah. be an active uh, yeah. income tax rate. Yeah. And then you'll get a tax uh, or a dividend tax credit yeah. and then take it out personally. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then it'll flow out to the limited partners in the form of, yeah. a, you know, source revenue kind of thing. Yeah. So it's not the most simple thing ever, but obviously- you know, when you get into a couple hundred grand per unit in Airbnb revenue plus the uh, profit in the deal, mm-hmm. um, you know, that obviously gives some incentive yeah. to uh, to go through the potential, you know, extra work. Yeah, for sure. And I think the idea for me was yeah. setting this wouldn't be the only project, right? Mm-hmm. I think if you're doing one project, then it, there's well probably, keep doing it. yeah, there's more of a simple structure in, in other places. But I think if it's mm-hmm. like multiple projects and you get economies of scale, then I think that's where it becomes, yeah. uh, you know. So um, I guess I, was, I had another question I was going to ask you about. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, so the market, mm-hmm. what's happening here? What are you seeing there? Um, it's definitely slowed down a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. The last time I was there, you know, uh, when I when I was there last year, I mean, there was nothing on the market because everything was getting scooped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still very limited supply there in terms yeah. of it's just a very small area. So there's not a lot of land. There's not a lot of yeah. opportunity to build. Um, so that is still like it's we're seeing the same things we're kind of seeing here, mm-hmm. right? Supply and demand is still very much in the favor of low supply still high demand but yeah pricing mm. was getting a little bit like people yeah. were putting stuff on the market and it was you know going into multiple offers and uh you know 20 30 percent over their asking price it's just they're not seeing that now they're just seeing mm-hmm. it's a pretty balanced market with you know a, a good amount of buyers a good amount of sellers and um but you know the pricing hasn't really come down much at all and and i think if you yeah. if you're looking to move something quickly you might have to be a little bit more aggressive on your pricing there but uh, you know, I don't it's think still that's right. yeah, staying a lot more state steady. Yeah. They have they had the boom there that that we've seen here in Canada. Yeah, it was same type know, of boom. I was there ten years ago, and you know, it was like this. The cost of real estate there was significantly lower. I mean, you know, it's always retrospects, always mm-hmm. twenty twenty hindsight's always twenty twenty. But you know, I think that's where you look at the increases year over year over the last probably five years and it's probably been close to 15 20 percent annualized you know increases which is that's a that's a big jump in the, mm-hmm. in the price point there okay so do you think though i mean i guess you got to kind of look at the economic factors a lot of the people who are playing in that sandbox so to speak are um very well off well to do yep you know do they need their second home do they need to vacation there Maybe, maybe not. But then again, there's also like, that's such a highly desirable area and it's so small. There's no, there's no vacancy. Like, you know, some friends were trying to come down this year to visit me and they're Mm -hmm. like, I literally can't find anything for less than three or $400 a night. So it's so expensive. I think that actually that's who will end up being our end users. It won't be somebody who's going to use it for two weeks of the year or three three months of the year. It'll be another investor that says this makes sense as something that's going to generate a 12 to 15% cash on cash yeah. return and just and, and maybe I get the benefit of using it as a short-term mm-hmm. rental as well when I want to take my family down for two weeks 
but in the remainder of the year it's generating enough income to <laughs> you know more than support the the debt for sure yeah well i mean so can you get loans as a canadian you, down there you can i mean if you are purchasing a unit uh like yeah. one of our properties anything over one hundred fifty thousand dollars us yeah. you can apply for residency you can yeah okay. and then if you can get residency then you can get uh you know costa rican bank account and you can get you can deal with the so you need residency so you have residency down there i will get it yeah. yeah yeah do you have like a tax id that you have to get yeah yeah exactly so that's what allows you to get the bank accounts yeah yeah okay so that's you know that but you know you're gonna pay it's a different interest rate than what we're paying here well not that different anymore but you know you're looking at probably nine to eleven percent on a on a standard like residential mm -hmm. loan there right and are they are they a commonwealth country no 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 um, i don't think so that's a good question yeah like is it is it fee simple ownership do you know i don't know yeah no. like closed with lawyers or a title company or it's uh they're closed with with lawyers, yeah. With uh, not with a title company, though. I don't. Uh, mm. well, if it's lawyers, they wouldn't use a title company. Yeah, they might have your title insurance. Yeah, yeah, there's title. Yeah, there's title insurance. Yeah, but it's it's all closed with with lawyers. Yeah, and and like I say, the escrow company and the lawyers work closely together. There, mm -hmm. so it's the same sort of like tied into the same transaction. And it's and, a similar process to here. Yep. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, feels like that's kind of the how the way the world works. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so any other things like worth noting about that experience and like lessons you've learned, things that kind of came up as unexpected? Well, on our other project in Playa Flamingo, I think we're you know we're we haven't received our water letter yet, and and that's you know well actually that's not true. We have approval for ten units there, mm -hmm. and we want to go for sixteen, right? So we're kind of going back and forth with the municipality and and trying to you know mm -hmm. increase the density there. But I think that's that's been the biggest learning for me is just like reverse engineering it as opposed mm -hmm. to going in as a developer and saying oh I want this and this and this. It's like go to the water authority, see what they want to yeah. see on the property, yeah, and hopefully that expedites your journey and and everything yep. because I think. I think, you know, um, time is the biggest factor in, in yeah. most developments, right? If you can get to market in 18 to 24 months versus yeah. getting another five or six units and it takes you another two years, I don't know. To me, the, mm -hmm. the cost benefit there is, is not worth it. Yeah, I mean, I think so much can happen, especially in today's changing market yeah. and in even two years. So yeah. I agree, yeah, faster is better. For sure. Even on my Florida builds, like, you know, they're not even a year, but it's too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's, just, that's why I like Costa Rica yeah. too, because you can if if everything's in order, you can you can move pretty quickly there, right? Like yeah, it's basically straight to building permit. There isn't really you know site plan approval or anything like that. It's like, so as long as you're in. doing what they want, they'll yeah. say okay, let's go. Yeah, exactly. Which makes sense. That's similar to like unorganized or poor, like I don't to say poorly, but like lesser organized municipalities. Yeah even here like things move quicker yep. you know they have less people less rigid process oh that looks about right okay yeah, exactly i think like st thomas for instance like they didn't really have hard and fast rules for the like last time i really looked at them closely and you know it was more like well come in and have a conversation if you yeah. like it you'll be doing it if not well you won't exactly yeah, yeah. so uh hey that's uh that's good to know and it would make sense like yeah. i would expect it to sort of be like that down there mm -hmm. but the, the interesting thing is like if you go even 20 minutes north of nasara like it's just tin huts yep like can you develop up there or is the reason people aren't developing up there is because they can't get water 
Um, I, I think it's a mix of both. I think mm-hmm. that there's, uh, you know, most of the more rural areas, uh, they're just not as sought after, right? Mm-hmm. So the real estate values would be significantly yeah. less, but but so would uh, so would the rental. But if values, the infrastructure you know? was there, I feel like you could say beautiful three bedroom on the ocean. 20 minutes from Nassara. <laughs> oh, and there's, there's lots of that yeah. kind of stuff happening, right? Yeah. If you look at, I mean, it's it's the ripple effect. It's the yeah. same thing that happens in every other popular mm. place. It's like, well, eventually people can't afford it. There, yeah. So they start to move out. Well, I'm imagining that these tin huts don't have running water, right? Like it's kind of like just poverty, no. right? Or they or they drill the well, right? They drill the well. So okay. there's, there, you can get a well in Costa Rica. It's no problem. But, but as a developer, they're not going to let you do that. They're not going to let me do it. It's too close to everything else. You have to have a certain amount of radius around your yeah. well. And, and we would just be like oh, pulling you know, from the neighbor's water. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and then so they they have to you have to use the water supply in that situation, the municipal water supply. But yeah, okay. if you want, if you get out of that area, but power is power is an issue, right? Bringing power in, but now right. solar's changing. Yeah, I was that about to too. say like, like there's, solar there's would change that yeah. completely. Like you could just, especially because the amount of sunlight they get and how intense it is, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah you could. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I guess it'd just be about rainy season, and if you don't get enough sun, then yeah. like, but I mean. You probably need a lot less sun at that point, too, because it's probably not as hot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I would much prefer that weather to ours right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm counting down the days. Yeah, Yeah, lucky you. I can't figure out how to go, uh, you know, three hours with my son, let alone, you know, go to Costa Rica. Yeah. Um, Do you have kids? I don't know. No, okay. Well, that makes... (laughs) It makes it a lot easier. It makes that kind of thing go easier. Yeah. Um, Okay, so... Where did you start? Because like we have a lot of mutual acquaintances. Yeah. Uh, you know uh, my partners that are uh, yeah. in our campground. You said stayed. You said you stayed at the I campground. I stayed there this summer. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot of fun. In one of the tents. Yeah, in the, one of the glamping tents. Nice. What'd you think? It was great. You know, I, I was like, I've done a lot of tent camping before, and mm-hmm. I grew up like RV camping in Alberta. Yeah. So I feel like this was like the happy medium. It was like yeah. you don't have to pack all this crap and go. Yeah. You know, the tent and all this stuff, and you know, we we went for two nights. Yeah. Uh, like so literally we, we packed yeah. a cooler and we went up and, and had two yeah. amazing nights. It was, it was a lot of fun. So, and it was so nicely set up, like yeah. it felt so civilized and yet, you know, we had that camping experience. You're still camping, but not really. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. have a, what do people really want to do? They want to have, make a hot dog and yeah. eat some chips and drink beer and have a campfire and then sleep outside. So yeah. it hits all those boxes, but you, but have you get to real bed. cooler yeah. and <laughs> you get to sleep in a bed. So yeah, it was, yeah. it was perfect. You guys did a great job up there. Thank Your you. staff was so amazing. Yeah. Um, and treated us really well and it was uh, it was clean it was yeah everything nice. was on point so. an unpaid endorsement here thank yeah, you yeah no it, <laughs> I mean it go like I would I've been recommending it to a lot of people like, I just appreciate go up, that spend, spend a couple nights it's perfect yeah we've we've been uh, growing but you know it's it's uh, growing pains too we got our management mm-hmm. team coming back next year yeah. so we're you know we're optimistically looking forward and hope looking forward to a full year's run up this year because sure. last year we were started mid season so yeah big, the big difference there. Yeah. Um, so t- enough about that, though. Um, about you, like, wh- when did you start? Like, what you know? What's your background as a career? Yeah, I started in two thousand two was when I bought my first property. I don't yeah. think I was an active real estate investor until about you know mm-hmm. two thousand seven. I started buying stuff, you know, yeah. as a sort of for the purpose of you know having rental income. Yeah. But I spent fifteen years working professionally in musical theater, and that was my that was my world. So I was a singer, dancer, actor. I traveled all over the world you know, doing that for you know for a long time mm-hmm. and I worked in Japan for a year and the money that I saved while I was mm-hmm. over in Japan I came back to Canada bought my first property 
continued to do theater. And then when I had enough money mm-hmm. and I could qualify for financing again, I went and bought another property. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting into renovations, which I really enjoyed um, because my schedule was conducive to it. I was doing yeah. theater at night and on weekends and during the day I was like on site and kind of learning how to renovate yeah. and doing some sweat equity. And that was helping my projects along and definitely helping the, uh, the finances yeah. of all that. And, um, and then, you know, at some point I was like, I'd like this real estate thing more than I like uh, theater or the theater industry was also kind of like changing a lot. Yeah. And Do you miss singing and dancing or you, uh, still, you still find time? You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I miss it when I go to see a show. I think yeah. when I go and see a show, I'm like, oh, I yeah. know what's going on backstage. And it's, it's, it was a lot yeah. of fun. I mean, as you can imagine, you're surrounded by, you know, a very, you know, an eclectic group of people. Oh, all and the time. they're passionate about what they do. Yeah. So it was a yeah. lot of fun for a job. But I think in terms of, you know, I didn't get a lot of time off. I was always working nights and weekends. Oh, yeah. That would have uh, been brutal. And it was, yeah. So I didn't it have would be a an expression oh, yeah. just not uh not as yeah. a lifestyle so no yeah. i don't i don't do much of it now but i think yeah. like you know the other things that i have in my life you know yeah. in terms of they 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 um they kind of make up for that you know like the the youtube channel and doing stuff like this like you kind of feel that mm-hmm. that sense of like you're in the in the spotlight if you will yeah. and that that kind of feeds that that part of things and when i used to travel and speak and all that stuff mm-hmm. that, that was kind of like that exchange of you was know, interacting speaking on real estate yeah okay yeah Exactly. Yeah, I used to. Uh, so I played in a band for a long time. We played like Friday and Sunday nights uh, at a bar. We were like the house band at the bar mm-hmm. uh, downtown London. <laughs> like uh, as I graduated university, and then you know a few years afterwards, and then did like an originals band for a while, yeah. and then it just got to this point where it's like, oh, too much you know with work and people are having kids people quit and it's just like okay i'm done <laughs> yeah what do you play uh i play guitar sing okay. play bass and drums too yeah. but primarily uh guitar i uh we just did a jam actually not too long ago just for fun i miss it though i yeah. do it's just like you know where to I find miss the music, time. yeah for sure and, yeah. and and like i do a lot of yoga which kind of replaces dance yeah you know so i i still get a lot of that in my life for sure but it's it's mm-hmm. just a very different thing but yeah no i i uh I, I, I loved it. I loved that part of my life. I'm very mm-hmm. glad that I was able to do that. But, you know, and then, you know, just shifting over to real estate and doing that full time. Yeah. Was, was just being an yeah. entrepreneur was really, you know, kind of my passion. So it was in your blood to, yeah. to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Okay. And, and when, when, when was the point? Because obviously there was a, an active income to that when you shifted into real estate, was it cash flow from your properties you were living off of? Were you flipping? Were you, what were you doing? Yeah, I was using mostly the burst strategy. Um, yeah. And so, you know, kind of recycling capital, you know, because I was doing a lot of sweat equity, mm-hmm. I would often be able so you'd to be pull working out, at your properties. Yeah, yeah, almost everything that I had in. So that allowed me to kind of keep mm-hmm. doing that. And then I got, uh, you know, I started to launch my YouTube channel in 2020, I think, and mm-hmm. got a little bit more of a presence in the community. And then I started going out and raising capital. And so that's when I started to probably yeah. scale and grow at a, at a significantly different level because okay. um, I was basically then at that point uh, able to use other people's capital and, and yeah. contribute time and expertise and do all the things that I do now. So so like as far as burrs go, like you were basically able to just live off of the extra money you were able to pull out? Well, like, yeah, I like refi every once in a yeah. while and take, you know, lump sum payment and, yeah. you know, and I, and I always kind of had What were you showing things. to the bank? What were you showing to the bank as active income? Because they obviously want to qualify you on something. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, like I, I've always had a couple like side gigs along the yeah. way, like for from 
I think 20, 2018 until 2021, I, I was with Keyspire. And okay, I was, speaking I was, gonna, with I was wondering about yeah, that. Yeah. Right? So I was on there. I was one of their speakers on the... At the so, summits? No, I was a yeah. preview speaker. So Scott McGilvery and so myself, we were the preview speakers. Oh, okay, okay. So I'd do the two-hour free session. And okay. then, then I was commissioned based on that. And then right? they would buy into the weekend. Yeah. So and everything from that, there going to the full thing. Exactly. I used to speak at the summits yeah. for yeah. like mortgage investing. Yeah. So that, uh, yeah. you know, that was a decent income and allowed mm -hmm. me to continue to do real estate yeah. on the side. So there was like a couple things like that. I was an yeah. energy auditor for a while. And, you know, so there's a couple little like active income things that I like had. just do that on the side. Yeah. Cause just to kind of satisfy the bank and not, yeah. not need to pull from your investments. Yeah. Like and that was a big thing for me, like why I started doing active of construction for hire was just to not need to sell every property to make the money, you exactly. know, like to flip properties. Do I'd rather keep the properties and then, yeah. you know, make active income. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that, that's kind of what kept things moving. And now, yeah. now in our developments, you know, like I pay myself a salary from our development okay, projects. Yeah. And that and makes sense. Like yeah. yeah. So you're, you're putting in the sweat equity and, you know, kind of getting uh, paid for it accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, acquisition fees and, and that's management perfect. fees and yeah. stuff like that, you know? So, I mean, that structure is something like I, in the circles we're in, you, you have these conversations, talk to people about how they structure this. Was yeah. this something that sort of happened organically? You know, obviously you're part of a mastermind. You, you yeah. probably share this strategy. Like that probably, how much did that help you pull the trigger on doing these projects? Oh, I mean, it was, it was huge. It was a, like a light bulb moment for me that I, first of all, it, it, it allowed me to go to larger transactions hmm. because I was like, well, how do you charge an acquisition fee or a management fee on something where the, you know, it's a $500,000 property. You can't do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, well, then you have to get into something that has enough meat on the bone that you can actually charge a fee. that the project makes sense to charge somebody to manage yeah. it full time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started looking at uh, mm -hmm. A larger price point, bigger transactions, more doors, more units, yeah. getting into active development. You know, that was really the game changer in terms of, okay, I, I want I want to do this full time. I want to be dedicated. I want to actually have a staff of people that can do this. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, I've got to get into a transaction that's big enough yeah. to support all of those things, right? And so that's where that, that shift and that change happened from the smaller transactions into the bigger transactions. I love it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like bigger transactions like to negotiate them it, it's not really any more work you know like no. you have to do all the same legal processes just bigger numbers other extra zeros that's it it's uh i mean of course you want to make sure you're dotting your i's crossing your t's and not over leveraging those yeah. are the you know key key elements but that can be done at scale for sure yeah just, and I, just a matter of how many equity partners you bring in you know doing your due diligence on the deal yeah um, you know, in terms of structuring, like what's your ideal structure when you're you're looking at something like this from an equity play? You're looking for your investors to come in, put in everything it takes to require the land, pay the soft costs, and then from there, like for instance, with this one, you sell the units and that pays your construction. Yeah, I mean, in in Costa Rica, yes, it's like mm -hmm. land acquisition, soft costs, um, yeah. and you know, closing costs kind of thing. And then once we get into construction, mm -hmm. we'll pre-sell and we'll do that. In Canada, obviously, the bank's going to step in and finance you know yeah. a lot of our projects. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's so you like, do that structure here too? Yeah, same thing. Mm -hmm. Basically, okay, we need investor capital to uh, down payment, closing costs, carrying costs, and uh, you know, management fees kind of thing, yeah. right? And then on the takeout, uh, that's going to be, you know, depending on the transaction, there's going to be equity, you know, left over that gets distributed back to the shareholders or they're mm -hmm. going to keep their, you know, equity in the transaction or, mm -hmm. you know, ultimately in the, you know, with the, some of the new programs, we're hoping to basically pay out all of that, you know, 
capital and kind of keep holding the building at that point. But that's uh, handy. I love that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. you know that's that's what we're striving for right now with yeah. MLI Select, right? Going to ninety five percent loan to value. We're really hoping to build a development that we mm-hmm. can basically recoup all of our capital and hold yeah. it with no money and 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 uh, you know continue to have that building for a long time. So can you give me an example of a Canadian project that, that uh, you've done, similar structure? Yeah, so we uh, we have four active uh, Toronto builds. Uh, okay. well, two are, two, one's, one's complete, one is almost complete. Um, one is uh, just pouring foundations right now, and the other one is just coming at the end of site plan approval. So okay. they're in kind of various different yeah. stages, but it's almost a cookie cutter, like very similar. It's an, They're all eight unit buildings, mm-hmm. all in the core of the west end of Toronto, okay. um, and they're all very similar structure yeah okay so similar structure you're bringing in investors acquiring the land yep uh they're paying the the uh soft costs more or less yep and then you'll step in with the bank and yep. finance it once you get pre-sales uh no these are we're holding them all as rentals oh holding them all okay so yep. you're financing it based on that with like a credit union or so yeah we've done a couple different like acquisition structures yeah. so a couple of them were residential properties that we converted mm-hmm. to eight unit like boutique apartment buildings so we were actually okay. able to get residential financing on the front end yeah which was really helpful and then we're just taking either private capital mm-hmm. or a construction private to do the construction phase and okay. then we'll take out with a new lender yeah um at the end this, of it on the cmh that's obviously side. the easiest way to do it, uh, it private is. money is just so much easier yeah it is yeah uh, although i have heard from certain people who really like them that you know you can get these sweet deals with credit unions to yeah so our our, our dufferin project is with uh mm-hmm. alterna so they're coming in to do the construction financing and yeah. then they'll they'll most likely do the they'll just switch over yeah. to a term loan so are we, they like interest only during construction yep oh, exactly yeah so we didn't do mm-hmm. we we could have gone in for CMHC on the on the construction side as mm-hmm. well, but it's a longer process, like ninety days is kind of what they were saying. So I was yeah. like, ah, let's just no, for the, for the, the percentage tape. or percentage and a half savings yeah. on the construction loan, especially like, like in the competitive markets, you were probably buying, and yeah. it's not easy to say, hey, yeah, we're going to need due diligence period. That you know they're not going to be into that exactly. So, yeah, um, and not advice, of course, to anybody. But I mean, sometimes like sophisticated investors just make the decision. Okay, this is the way I'll go because I know my stuff and I know yeah. what I can do. Yeah, we actually acquired it privately with yeah. with private financing yeah. and then we're switching over to construction yeah. financing and then you know we'll carry that through to the, yeah. the takeout yeah now with all the changes in the market like does that change your feasibility on the units or i mean i've heard a lot of people say like the condo units and apartment units haven't really changed that much you know for the well i mean there's a couple things that have happened obviously you know we started doing these in 2020 um, and we went through the construction craziness, right? Where a cost of a two by four went from $3 to $10. Mm-hmm. So our construction co- uh, budgets on the early Most projects. Most I paid was uh, 15 actually. <laughs> <laughs> Not joking. Lucky guy. Wish yeah, I was. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so I think like we, in our early projects, we had underestimated our budgets for construction. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, we when we went to do the takeout financing, we had this surge in, in um, rental income right mm-hmm. because of the the rental market kind of went crazy so yeah. and the and the real estate market went crazy as well yeah. right so those ones kind of covered themselves um but now we're yeah. we're definitely in a better situation where we understand the full scope of the construction yeah. costs mm-hmm. and uh and also we understand like on the on the takeout what that's what that's going to look like what we're able to right. get for financing we've done yeah. enough of them a couple of them now that we know that like okay this is where it's probably going to yeah. end up um and so rent is, rent rates are up yeah from sure. what you were originally thinking yeah cap rates are too yeah so yeah sort of two opposing factors that 
are seemingly keeping prices relatively more stable than say on the residential housing side of for things. sure and we're dealing yeah. with you know uh yeah i mean net operating income versus comparables right so that's yeah. always a nice thing in, in the commercial world and we're yeah. we're not really in a position where we're interested in selling a lot of these projects no so we just as long as we can Get hit our takeout financing right our takeout, so yeah. you're, you're lining them up to hopefully be in you know 75 percent loan to value or less or 60 yeah we're we're trending right now at about anywhere between 70 and 80 percent loan to value okay. because we can't hit our debt coverage ratios to go to 95 yeah we're, we're doing MLI select on the back end. Okay, so you're going to try and get... So um, we're getting 50-year amortization. 50 year, okay, so how yeah. are you doing that? Is that an energy efficiency or is it like a... Uh, like? Like handicap accessible, like what 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 things are you doing? It's uh, it's a combination of a couple many things. things. Yeah, uh, I keep hearing that response. The <laughs> first two, no, the first two we did affordability. Affordability. So you did two how basement many? two basement units at the affordability. That's it. So I had to do two out of eight. It's twenty five percent. So twenty five percent affordable. Okay. Yeah, and then the next two projects we're doing a mix of efficiency and affordability, mm-hmm. and um. Uh, our project in Kitchener will end up doing, we, I just talked to the brokers today, we'll do, again, a mix of affordability and efficiency. Yeah. Okay. So on a new build, it's pretty easy to hit the efficiency target. Mm-hmm. Like we're going 25% above the, the code. And what what are you doing? Are you doing centralized heating and cooling systems or are you doing like heat, heat pumps, pumps yeah. in the units? Yeah. So every unit has its own heat pump yeah. separately metered. Yeah. That is pretty handy for, yeah, for just separately nice. meeting, yeah. metering things. Yeah. So that that's yeah. that's the easiest way to hit it, you know. Um, in but are they that efficient? Like I was, I've been crunching the numbers on heat pumps like crazy. Doesn't really seem like it's that efficient. Like it is, like relative to say propane right now, or well, like you also baseboard to, heating, yeah. way way <laughs> yeah, more than course. that. Yeah. But uh, but I th- I still think natural gas beats it. It I think it, I mean heat. It, yeah it does yeah. it's it's a nicer form of heat and I, yeah. but I also think that it's a nice thing where in some buildings we don't even have to bring in natural gas anymore that's huge right because it's just avoiding the issue yeah and I think the the hard thing with a natural gas boiler is you can't put it onto the tenants no. like it's you're not going to be able to submeter that exactly so with this you can actually truly get rid of the landlord's utility costs exactly yeah if we have heat pump and it's on their electrical panel like they pay for their own heat their own cooling they everything so the only thing you would be doing would be a water meter like one central water meter but then you can put submeters yeah we can submeter the water as well but that's administration or you just charge them a flat fee there's there's a company now uh, and I you know I have to look into this a little bit further yeah. but our project they'll come in and they'll submeter everything and they'll pay back. for the cost of it and then we have they we have to use them for utilities so okay. I'm, I'm looking into it but it sounds like it's like i know i know a submetering company as well yeah. um and they do offer a service and they will build back mm-hmm. i just don't i haven't used that feature from them i've just yeah. used the actual submetering part yeah. of it yeah it's new for me so i'm yeah. kind of learning about it as well i think it, the easiest thing is run it and just figure out what your average cost is and yeah. then charge them a flat fee. This is your water fee. Exactly. And then you just take the hit if somebody leaves their sink on. For, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. I guess that's that's the part that every landlord cringes at. But it's happened yeah. to me. I had yeah. somebody apparently fill a pool using uh, the water from one of my student <laughs> rentals. I called the water company, yelled at them. They said, it's, it's for real. And oh, okay, I guess yeah. I pay to exactly. fill a pool this month. Yeah. Uh, um, but... Uh, Anyway, so what are your thoughts on the, on the market right now, and and has that changed anything for you? Knowing you know interest rates are seemingly continuing to climb, and 
no real end in sight, although they say it's slowing down. It does appear to be slowing down in the increases. Yeah, I mean, I heard on the way up here that they were kind of saying, like, we will look at the data moving forward to see if we need to... Didn't they assure there was going to be one in January? I thought that was... That was what I heard last, you know, it was kind of like uh, the next one. There'll be another one in January, but after that, you know, but... So we're kind of getting mixed messages, I guess. Oh, I mean, you can't trust anything they say. (laughs) I mean, that's the same same guy that said said that they wouldn't raise interest rates. Back in 2020, he said they wouldn't raise interest rates until late 2023. You can rest assured and take all our government benefits and the cheap money yeah exactly. yeah <laughs> i think like there's uh, i mean we're, we're approaching everything with a little bit of a, a yeah. cautious underwriting i would say yeah. right just making sure that we have contingency on contingency yeah um but i i think that there's incredible opportunity right now oh, especially yeah. I, I, and I think development is one of those uh perfect opportunities right now because it's not something that hits the market in six months or eight months yeah, like we are like you it, I mean, our fastest development projects are like two years, maybe mm-hmm. three years, right? So it's like if you're acquiring something now, it's going to be mm-hmm. coming online in, in three years. And so like that's a – it's a very different – I think could be a very different environment in that time, good or bad. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we don't know. But I think from from what I've seen, you know, I've been in the industry a little while to see those like ups and downs. And so, you know, I'm a believer in that you yeah. know, we're still in a huge housing crisis. We're still in a supply demand. Yeah. Right. So that's all they've done is artificially suppress demand. The interest rates artificially suppress demand. Bringing immigrants into the country pushes back the other direction. Yeah. Um, These various different hedge funds that have said that they're going to start buying up residential real estate um, are probably looking very favorably at this and saying, hey, let's pick up some units. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be that force pushing back the other way. Um, I say often that there's no precedent for raising interest rates and then dropping them quickly. Yep. No. Um, however, there's also no precedent for how fast they raise them and no precedent for the competing factors that we have right now that I'm aware of. Yeah. So it's just tough to say what's actually going to happen. Yeah. Um, but it, it's I, I do feel very confident that it's uh, there are opportunities right now that are like once in a lifetime and then mm-hmm. there will be even more of those I coming agree. in the next you know 24 36 months i agree yeah that's kind of my feel on it yeah. um so what's next for you then where are you focused is it costa rica here or a mix of both you know i think um i, I i'm looking at uh, options here in canada still and but i but i love the international investing i think that's uh, i think from an investor's perspective when i'm talking to investors i think they really like the idea of owning real estate mm-hmm. in some of these areas um so yeah i'll continue to do development projects here and i'll continue to do development projects in in costa rica and i think like i think the mli select program like i say is a bit of a game changer and and that that's that's what we're really trying to hit is that perfect you know it's almost like the perfect burr right where you get all your capital out and we're trying to do that on the multifamily side and and then just hold those assets as long-term rentals because i still think it's a it's a great play so let's just summarize what mli select will do for you of course it gets you the longer amortization yeah you're gonna go up to 50 years by hitting you need x number of points to do that 100 points to do that with them with their point system and uh you'll get like a sub sub five percent on the rate we're getting quoted uh like high high threes right now 3.8 still yeah because it follows the bond rates right yeah bond rates are roughly where they were in september yeah i mean shooting this now in december yeah um I, I haven't heard threes. I heard fours, but yeah, yeah. that's that's way less than yeah. people are getting regular with the bank. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, how much of a difference does it make to take something from 
from 25 to 50 like we're talking <laughs> huge difference. it's not cutting your payment in half but it's no, it's probably what like 60 percent of what it was 65 percent of what it yeah. was yeah downside is you're not paying down a lot of mm-hmm. principal on the loan but you know if you're planning yeah. to hold it for an extended period of time yeah well and yeah. that's got value that's assignable right you can assign that for mortgage. Sure. yeah and forever on the renewals even though they're five-year terms you're still like whoever uh renews even if you sell it they're renewing into the cmhc rate rather than yeah. the uh the regular rate that's right yeah. yeah so they should foreseeably be you know a couple points under yeah yeah, yeah. and they're non-recourse loans if you get to 100 points yeah which oh, is non-recourse. they can be non-recourse yeah. which they did on our first one which is huge nobody has to guarantee it yeah no one gets non-recourse loans. i know especially in canada <laughs> yeah so that, that in the was u.s a, you do yeah but not here right yeah. so that's a big that's a big factor as well seems like the u.s like their lending system it just makes way more sense yeah like the 30-year term with a 30-year mortgage yeah versus we do a 30-year term or a mortgage with, with a, a five-year five term, term yeah. which is pure insanity yeah for exactly what's happening now exactly like yeah. think about the volatility that does to the market all these renewals coming up so yeah. they don't have that problem there which is why i'm so bullish on the u.s and it's and it's why i keep hearing this over and over again right and it's like i've i've looked at the u.s and i and i you know it's something that i'm interested in but mm-hmm. it's it's just uh it's just a factor of really not having enough capacity to, oh, yeah. to look at you know, You're doing everything, enough. right? Yeah, You're doing enough. No, you gotta, you got to stay focused. Yeah. And yeah, I think there's there's lots of opportunities throughout the U.S. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really just a question of, of you know, it's a buffet. What are you going yeah. to pick? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, so I'm kind of doing my thing there right now. Um, and I'm, I'm appreciating that, that these effects are, are, are seemingly less so yeah. far. You yeah. know, like Southwest Florida, where I'm invested – uh, way less severely hit by these these effects compared to Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I don't want to say knock on wood. I, I think that there are several reasons for that, and um, you know, this is this is not to say that there's not huge opportunities in Ontario. I just think that you know, it might be a good good strategy to bring some profits back as uh, you for know sure. things come down and and, and use yeah. that to invest then. In. Mm-hmm. But uh, anywho, so Darren, where do people uh, find you and follow you? Uh, best place is either uh, check out my YouTube channel or my website, DarrenVoros.com for both of them. Darren well, Voros on YouTube and DarrenVoros.com. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I will include that in the show notes. And then any parting words of wisdom? Uh, no, <laughs> not, not today. I mean, I think just for me, um, you know, for, for I, I think there's like a lot of questions around the mm-hmm. things you talked about today. It's like what what's happening in the market. And I think just for people uh, to not, you know, not be so short sighted on things. I, I think yeah. that there's uh, that was one of the things that I got hung up on, I think, when I first got started in real estate. And so, you know, you got to have a long term, you know, outlook on yeah. things and, and just I'm weather sure. the storm a little bit. You know, things will things yeah. will straighten around for sure. Yeah, I've been talking about this since since we were in the uh, the bull market. Yeah, <laughs> don't buy in markets you don't want to keep in for a long time because yeah. you just never know. And hey, you know, hopefully people who are following that advice are, uh, you know, obviously nobody likes their property going down in value, but if you got a cash flow, hey, that helps you sleep at night. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, I appreciate you coming down. Yeah, thanks and for having me. Wasn't too far of a drive for you. <laughs> no. So, uh, and it's nice to finally meet you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. I'll see you on the next one.
There are a lot of people out there talking about the infinite banking strategy and whether or not it makes sense for them. To find out what it's all about and if it's a fit for you, visit controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines, where my audience can gain exclusive access to books, podcasts, and webinars tailor-made for real estate investors. Are you interested in getting started in investing in the United States but not sure where to start? Why not attend the Investing in the U.S. Mastermind hosted by myself and Nick Van Dyke on March 4th, 2023. Nick and I will be covering topics ranging from A to Z, new construction, multifamily development, Airbnb, and much, much more, as well as the basics, including opening a bank account and understanding the proper corporate structure. We'll have several keynote speakers touching on very specific topics. And most importantly, you'll be sitting in a room with people who are highly focused and highly committed to investing in the United States. For more information, visit investinginthus.com and send me a DM on Instagram for a special discount code. I'll look forward to seeing you at the event.